Inside LAFC, episode 14. Max Bradas, Vince LaRosa here joining you as we do consistently every week. A reminder to please subscribe to our, our little podcast here. We're very proud of uh, some of the work we're doing and rate and review it. It's very important, so we will uh, be able to make any minor minor or major adjustments. But uh, last week's, uh, we're going to talk a lot about, obviously, Friday night, Pride night at Bank of California Stadium. Uh, breathtaking, one of the two or three magical nights. Maybe number one to many people. We'll get to that. But uh, really quickly on the podcast, Diego Garcia, one of... Uh, in the PR department and one of the, the liaisons, main liaisons players, saying that uh, some people in Colombia picking up the Eduardo Atuesta interview because he is picking up traction, not just here. We've seen it in Major League Soccer. People are writing about him. People are talking about him, are paying attention to him, and obviously that's picking up in Colombia. It's pretty cool because he, he, I think he told you, he's told us before that MLS games themselves are not very easy to get in Colombia, but the fact that our podcast managed to make its way down there um, and people are kind of getting word of how good he's been that's really that's really awesome because I know it's really important to him um, and he's even told us that you know if his name keeps getting out there there's a very good chance that the, whoever is manager of, of the Columbia national team is mm-hmm. not going to have not going to be able to really keep him off because word of mouth is big down there so if guys start getting their name just bandied about bandied about uh, you kind of at least got to bring him in for a look and I think I mean he seems like the type of player that if you bring in for a look you're going to love him I yeah I, I, look I, Forgive me if I don't catalog all the Colombian players at that position. I know there's a glut of Colombian talent. You can just see it's popping up all over the world. They're playing in Europe. They're playing in Mexico here. Uh, one of their great starlets. That's word. You can use that starlet. Stars. Sure. Playing uh, uh, at River Plate. Uh, and he is regard- not playing the uh, Eduardo Tuesta position, but... He's, Edwards is 21, and you have to remind yourself, and you figure by 22, 23, the way this progression is going, he's going to have to be in – if he plays this way, uh, he's going to be in the mix for that. Yeah, I think you're, you're speaking of Quintero, right? Yeah. Uh, what's his first name? No, we're going to blank. My, my word, but I'll remember. But he has a cute little nickname. I'm just drawing but a blank I, on that. I believe, though, he tore his ACL, right? He's actually yeah. on the injured reserve. I think – I'm with you. I can't – off the top of my head, think of a lot of players for Columbia that actually fit Edward's skill set, but I can think of a ton that play maybe a little bit further up the pitch and can play central and maybe get out to a wider area like Hamas, like Quintero. Juan Fer. Is this Juan Fernando? They call him Juan Fer. Uh, Juan Fer. Okay. Right. Uh, Juan, uh, Juan Cuadrado uh, from Juventus. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, one's, no one like plays that Edward I can't position. think of anyone that really stands out. And maybe they've got some young guys, but like you said, he's 21 years old, so he perfectly fits into kind of the mold of a player you would want to to really build up. Maybe a guy, I think if he can provide that uh, supply of possession to Carlos Vela, I think if you're Juan Fer Quintero or if you're James Rodriguez, you may be looking at that from far going, I want that service too. I want these straight balls right to my feet where I'll turn and face goal and whammo. Well, and if you're a manager thinking about how you balance your squad, you say, man, I've got so such attacking talent. What do I have to do to balance my squad defensively? Well, if you can plug in a guy like Edward Atuesta who can give you the balance defensively as a one-man engine room and then also supply balls to those players, you're, it's it's a dream, right? Yeah. To be able to, to, be able they to may, use... They might make the ultimate call. And maybe Carlos Vela says, yeah, you, you want that behind you. Yeah, yes. if you can use less players to do what you can do to balance the side and then to get as many of your, your talented attackers on the pitch, that's yeah. the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Uh, Andy Diosa, who I used to work with at ESPN, uh, he now works at Yahoo, uh, alerted us of an article. You read the article. You I gave did. it a glowing recommendation. It's fantastic. I fantastic. You, you don't give recommendations out that hard. You are hard to impress. I, I always give work to you, and you're like, hmm. So, Andy, you did well. To impress Vince? I thought it, it was very, very well laid out. It was insightful. It was in-depth. Um, it's one of those things where I know what it's like to, to have an idea to come out uh, to see a team and, and to hopefully one get good quotes from players, which everyone talks glowingly about Edward, but then on top of it, he gets a great game. Yes. Um, and he's able to put something together where Edward himself has a great game. I, I think for him, he's probably thinking like Yahtzee when he gets it and he just, he puts it together. But I think on top of it, it wasn't that it just fell into place for him. He was able to really put it into a format and a structure that, that made sense. Um, it was a cool read. It's, it's, it's um, a decent sized piece, but it didn't. It, right. it flew by fast for me, and I, I was very pleasantly surprised because yes, you're right, Max. I am pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I go. What do you think about I, this? Not about other. He's like. Mm. I won't be rude, but, but he's, I'll just he's go, a hard hey. critic, but he's uh, he's fair and accurate. I think. Yeah, I think Bob did that to me. Yeah, yeah. Bob does it. We're all getting. We're all fine tuning our game, working for this club. So check out that article if you're on Twitter. Uh, Andy Diosa, who works for Yahoo, it's a worth read. We're gonna do this with other players here because uh, we really enjoy having that that interaction but let's get to friday friday night i don't want to be a prisoner of the moment but may have been the most magical night there i have a little bit of a glow still from friday I, like i can't stop thinking about a lot of things that happened everyone there. and everyone you talk about everyone who's participating uh steve hartman uh, steve hartman steve mason <laughs> who, who did the falconer who, who was on espn 710 radio to see his look on his eyes i was told that will ferrell walked up to him and said i listen to your radio show all the time so all these pow- uh, these people bring brought together uh, the camera we're doing, the I was, the only disappointment is that normally when I'm, I was one of our broadcasts and we're really on lockdown. We want to do a great broadcast. So we are just locked into doing that rehearsing. So you don't get to wander around the stadium as much. Uh, but that had been a good one to wander a little bit um, to to see, obviously, all the dignitaries. And Matthew McConaughey with his Austin shirt there. That was like, what? that was good to see him there. That was great. It was That's cool. That's A-lister. It, I remember being in the press box and going, what is going on down there? <laughs> And somebody goes, uh, it's, it's probably Matthew McConaughey. I go, well, hold on. Is that a joke? Or it, because that's not funny. No. And they're like, no, really, Matthew McConaughey is here. He's got an Austin FC shirt on. He's here with Will Ferrell. I go, ah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It was amazing. It was uh, I mean, Jared Goff, the uh, quarterback. There was, there was like A-list folks. Sean that, Merriman. Sean Merriman, who uh, starting a fight company. Wish him the very best. So I keep in touch with him on that. I think lights out. They've had a, they've had their first card, so good luck with that, Sean. And then some actors all over that weren't getting a pop because there were tears. Yeah. Jaime Camille. I mean, Jaime Camille's a big star yeah. in, in Mexico. There's a guy who can't walk the streets. Uh, and yeah, all right, sorry, we got Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Jared Goff, and then the, obviously the thirty-two fifty-two takes over, and we knew the Tifo was going to be big, but. I think they, I mean, they knocked it out of the park with that. Uh, it was like a four-dimensional Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, I think not to be overlooked, the We Will Rock You part uh, with the, the hand clapping. And it gets you back to that movie and about that musical group and how they wanted with We Will Rock You and the clapping the hands get the fans involved with it was perfect in every way. But it was just a vision to behold. I spoke to some of the guys on the 3252 and they are afterwards at the Sunset Deck uh, post game, and they were saying, "Wait till wait for what we got for the Galaxy game. Wait to see what we have moving ahead." It was spectacular. I I had a, f- I probably shouldn't admit this, but I had a, f- a bit of a jump start. So when it came up, I filmed it and then I posted it. 
Mm-hmm. So it got a lot of traction because it was one of the first times it got out. And then I got retweets from people in Korea, tons from Japan. So people in Japan are really a Freddie Mercury fans or yep. TIFO fans. Turkey, uh, I, I believe it was Norway, Sweden, and obviously in Mexico. You, you see it the way the language where it came from. So that obviously was the got us off on the, the right thing. And then you almost knew from the, and I'll let you get your thoughts from the beginning, but you almost knew at that point that LAFC was going to come out and they did and got out to a 4-0 lead and then party time. Until yeah. the end when they gave up too and the, the heads went down, which blew me away even more to show the standard this team has set. Yeah, I went, when did I go downstairs for, I went down just after the, the own goal and I thought, okay, that's unfortunate, but it's wrapped up, right? And then I'm down there and I'm just chatting with people because, again, everyone was a buzz. There, like, there was just a glow. And you said, you know, you, you are definitely locked down because of the amount of things that you have to do for YouTube TV. But I, on the other hand, decided yeah. to just do a little floating around. And the amount of people that I ran into, and I, I expressed this on my Twitter, that were like, hey, man, I, I love what you do. And I'm just, if I seem awkward, it's because I am awkward, one. But two, I just don't know what to say because it's just... When you write something, you never expect to hear back about it. You yeah. just hope that people are There's reading it. There's a lot of love out there. Yeah, you just hope you, people are reading it. So to hear, to actually have people find me, and then I sometimes I forget, you know, I do stuff with you, we do this. I My face is now out there so people can actually recognize who I am. They don't have to ask who I am. They just know who I am, which is still a weird thing to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Get used to it, hot shot. Yeah, getting used to it. I mean... Uh, it was it was phenomenal, but so yeah, I'm down there. And we're, we're we're just chatting about the night. I'm still we're still buzzing about the Freddie Mercury. It's four one. Yeah. It's wrapped up. Someone looks at me and goes, "Are they about to take a penalty?" I said, "What? Uh-huh. No." And I look I look down and I go, "They are." What? What? How did that happen? I didn't even. It, we were so buzzed that like the game became, I wouldn't say secondary, but it was just part of a bigger event that we all kind of were just a part of. And yeah, like I said, I I was glowing. It made it made my job tough. I'm not gonna lie. I got I got home that night. I was like, okay, what, 4-2 what's win. What's the important stuff here? Yeah, 4-2 win. What am I going to write about? And I was like, well, you know, the 32-52 and everybody that brought it on the night, Pride Republic, everyone that put that night together, I was like, they nailed it. What can I add that they didn't already nail on Pride Night? I was like, yeah, but if I don't talk about this, you know, I, I need, we need people to know that, like, just because we do this that one night and we brought it up the, the prior week, it's not just one night. Yeah. You know, so. The proliferation of women and uh, the gay community – they're, they're there all the time. You walk around the stadium, you meet them, and then they're just part of the, a face in the crowd. And yeah. That's how it is. And it's, it's not like, oh, they, they, there's going to be uh, more gay or more women supporters on those names. No, they're there all the time. They're yeah. part of the fabric. Yeah, and that's why it's so seamless, and I think that's why it's so special because it just, everything, you know, sometimes when you do a special night, especially at a place that's so electric like Bank of California Stadium, it's not that it, turns it down a notch it just it goes a little sideways where it's like it's a different night but it's not quite the same what you're used to no they just amplified what we're already used to and that's what we are all already love that's what we all already are a part of that's what they all already created and I think that's what's most important so for me I I think I finished at like 3 a.m that night because I was just so Jack, I wanted it I was jacked up, up yeah. I was jazzed up I wanted it to be so perfect because they raised their level so high that I was like, if I don't meet, <laughs> if I don't meet this level, at least in the slightest bit in my takeaways, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm being totally honest. So yeah. it, it was tough for me, but I, I appreciate it. And I think if you got a chance to read my takeaways, shameless plug, uh, one, read of them. one of the best, one of the best ones I think I've put together. I'm nice. not going to lie. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. It was pretty good. I you think you, you hit the, no, I have, I read it all the time. Look, well, since we've started, it's kind of like, uh, 
if I won't read it that night, but I know you get out that that night, but I'll read it the next morning. And it was spot on. By the way, with the, the 3252, the rainbow smoke, I'd almost want to keep that on a permanent basis. That would be pretty cool. You don't cool. have to explain it. Just have it come out. Because that was, you'd look at it from the stadium and it was, it was, it was like you're about to see this huge Broadway production of Les Miserables. I just throw it out there. Al Rate, who works for the stadium, big musical fan. I just want to tell him, everyone about that. I think it was my favorite day there. I think it was because we knew the home opener and we, we put so much into it, but there was so much organic parts to that day that made it felt like any day you show up there, it could be that magical. And I hope you're enjoying it. It's going to be interesting what the effect is going to be because there's not a home game there until July 6th. Except for U.S. Open Cup Possibly game. Open Cup games, but yes. But the U.S. Open uh, Cup is league. not going to have the pop of a league game no. uh, for the midweek. So, I mean, we'll, we'll say that. But maybe the U.S. Open Cup, because of that, will have that effect whenever and whomever we play that night. So, uh, Yeah, I'm assuming the U.S. Open Cup game will still be big. Just it's In one short year, U.S. Open Cup has become an important part of LAFC's history. And I think Bob nailed it on the head last season when he said, well, look, when you start a new club, something in the trophy yeah, cabinet. you want trophies. So, of course, we're not... Any chance that they get to get trophies, which it always astounds me, there's other MLS teams that don't have trophies and they don't take it seriously. I mean, there's an e- sorry, easy is not the word, but there is a very winnable path to at least get you to the quarters, and then from there, you're on you're on the avenue to getting trophies. Why wouldn't you take it seriously? But yeah, it's gonna be a little bit more subdued. Just it's a midweek game, and you just can't reach that level, but. Yeah, had a nice run last year. Uh, we'll see where it goes. But, I, I, again, I think there's going to be an appetite for LAFC games. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of planning, and everyone was able to plan this as, as much as I say it's an organic field. We knew that, certainly the TIFO, and we knew about that night what was going to go into it. But I, I would not underestimate <laughs> this fan base and these supporters and this club to uh, – to blow you away on any day. Mm-hmm. And we did see it last year at the U.S. Open Cup. I think attendance was better than everyone thought every game we had there, whether it was Sacramento or Fresno or – that's right, Fresno. Let's talk about the game a little bit. Afterwards on the YouTube TV, we had Stephen Betashore at the desk with Mark uh, Rogandino, and he was like – he goes, you could see the players, their heads were down, and I'm going to even talk to about them about some of the things that they have to really be – they really have to have the attention to detail all the way through. And you can see in, in Beta's voice, he was like, all right, this is not good enough. And I was like, wow, this is where we're at. Yeah. It was a beautiful – granted, you don't want uh, to have those letdowns. Those letdowns in the wrong spot could um, affect you. But I think with in a, in a game down the road, hopefully not the wrong game, but LAFC judges themselves against LAFC here. It's never against an opponent. And they want to make sure that they get closer to that perfect game if they haven't hit it already because they've had moments where uh, they've been close to that, at least through stretches. Uh, I think the return of Eduardo Tuesta, you see the importance of him and the ball to Vela is one of the favorite, one of the best pieces of play I've seen anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep glowing on uh, Edward. Not some The goal was great, but the ball there was just perfect. I think, I also think about Bob Bradley afterwards, we heard what he said, and you figured, was he going to say, we can't do these things? He's so, uh, so, he's so measured perfectly with how his delivery is. And after that game, he said, he's, he's going to do it, but he'll, he, he always gets you, he always says the right thing. He goes, look, I don't want to, he didn't want to harp on them too much. It was a good game. They know yeah. what they did, and we went on. So everything about it, I was like, yes, yes, perfect. Montreal, um, 
great support, by the way, that they had. But I think uh, it was an, a great performance here for LAFC. And now with so many teams sputtering a little bit, including Seattle, they have an eight-point lead above everybody in Major League Soccer. This is, uh, this is a result I think people weren't surprised to see that LAFC could be so dominant. Which is the reason why Bob wants to be meticulous about how they play, right? right? So if you give up two goals, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter much, but you have an eight-point cushion. You're not chasing anyone. The only person setting the standard is your own self. And that's the reason why Bob brought that up. You're right. He can't be so hard on his guys. They score four goals. But he did make another great point was, you know, don't look at this as those two goals as a failure of the defense. It's a failure of the entire team and a failure of – the offensive players as well, because there was opportunities. He said there was multiple 3v2s, even a, a, a 4v2, you know, 2v2. There's opportunities to get the fifth, sixth goal. You do that, and teams literally just pack it in. But you left it at four. They get one. I think the, the own goal is something. I, I can't, you can't harp on it too much. It just kind of happens. Um, but the penalty, you know, that was definitely a breakdown. Um, they just kind of got caught out of shape, and uh, Walker had to make a play. That happens. Yep. Um, so I think, but Bob, Bob in his head, he's thinking, you know, if we finish these chances that we had prior to that, there's no chance that, that Montreal's even expelling that kind of energy. And that's just this level, the standard that they're going to have to keep setting because they want that big cushion. But there's a, there's the complacency, right? And, and it's one thing to have complacency within a season, but it starts in those micro moments, those smaller moments. And I think the other thing was, which was crazy to me, was they gave up the same amount of goals in the second half as they had given up all season. They had only given up yeah. two second-half goals Shows how good that defense all season. Has been. And then they gave up two. And so that's why you have people like Carlos saying, you know, I had to go back there and say, like, guys, this, these are moments that we had last season. These moments cannot yeah. happen. Like, they don't even want to have a brush with those moments. They yeah. want to get them. It did get at, you thinking last season. Uh, and, but that's, you know, that's – a minor tip there with everything that's going on. It's 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 beautiful, beautiful what they're doing. And I, I like what you said. It's like they quickly know what that breakdown is. As you pointed out, let's fix it. And this yeah. well oiled machine gets back into play. Yeah, I mean if you've got Beta who's not in the not in the eighteen, not he's dressed up to be on T V and he's coming off like a manager. I mean, just think of what he's like on, on game days, on match days, and just think of what not just himself, but like Jordan Harvey, Walker, Zimmerman, all those guys coming off the pitch that day, I'm guaranteeing that their attitude was the same as Beta's, especially in the heat yeah. of the moment. Oh, you could see it. Yeah, in the heat of the moment. So you could see it. So I'm just that's, – that's just a cool little insight. I mean, I don't want Beta to be on our set because I would want him to be in the 18. I want him to be in the 11. But that little bit is something cool that you can see uh, on YouTube TV is Beta's kind of after comments. Yeah. I mean, to have someone like that. If you have YouTube TV, you can check it out in your library and see what he said in the postgame show. So there you go. So June 1st, they have the game of the Timbers. We're going to preview that a little bit ahead because it's gotten a lot more interesting based on what's happened in the last couple of weeks with Portland starting to hit their groove, aided by a, a really nice addition in Brian Fernandez. We'll, we'll preview that here. But uh, LAFC, now after that, we'll lose a couple players. We know Mark Anthony K. They'll lose some U.S. players. We don't know who's going to come back mm-hmm. uh, early June uh, with the U.S. national team. Peter Lee Vassell as well, and the two Canadian players. We'll see who returns, but it's not going to be a full deck. We know that. And then uh, we, we hit June, which is going to it's going to be interesting because you have to – this is a tough spot for the coaches. They have to keep everyone engaged, even though you don't have a steady flow of games, but you still have games in yeah. the U.S. Open Cup. And knockout games. Yeah. 
I mean, there's no tomorrow. You, you have to get your business done in it. As much as we talk about it, I, I can see why it's hard sometimes to maybe raise up your game. You don't know this oh, yeah. team. You don't know much about them. You know that you're probably supposed to win that game, so there's all the impetus is on you. Um, you got teams that are probably going to come in and they're going to they're going to scrap the game. They're going to make it very difficult to play. They're going to be physical. You, you take that first crunching tackle and you're like, I don't, come on, man. Like, I don't, <laughs> let's not do this today. Like, I, it's tough enough. So, but I guarantee you that that level, that's the reason why the, they have that level where they come off the pitch and they say that it just wasn't, it's, we won the game today, but this section, not good enough. Right. This section, not good enough. They identify it. So there we have it. Everyone's got a great taste in their mouth for the most part. LAFC barnstorming at the top of Major League Soccer, looking to add a, a couple trophies. I don't know how many. Right now you'd figure don't bet against them to win multiple trophies. I don't get too greedy there. Kind of went for it. Did I, I jinx mean the, anything? I'm sure the team's greedy. Yeah, we're going after it. Everything. No, hey, there's nothing wrong with saying we're going after it. Yeah, we're, we're going not after saying, it. We're not saying anything is, is for certain, but <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. They're definitely going after it. Vince... The, st the players were great, but that TIFO was something that really uh, took our breath away, and it got us to thinking. Coming up, we're going to give you our favorite TIFOs we have seen. We've looked out, and I know there's a visual content uh, co uh, companion here that we will probably, maybe we can post them up on either Twitter or Instagram to see the ones that we like, but that's coming up. Best TIFOs after Freddie Mercury. That's the, that's the new number one. We are back on Inside LAFC. TIFOs are so much fun. There are sometimes reason to go to a game in the first place, as we experienced Friday night. But we got a lot more with LAFC in barnstorming fashion. So we're going to have, we'll pick three, maybe four of our TIFOs that... Yeah, I don't even think we'll rank them. We'll just say some of the ones that we really like. All right, we'll just I go mean, back and forth until we run out of TIFOs. Yeah. And afterwards, we will. Should we? We'll post a couple of them. We'll, yeah, we can put them on. We can put them on Twitter. We can post them up. Maybe drive some people to our Twitter conversations. That's right. What are, that's what we're here for. Reminder: Inside LAFC is where you want to be. We're everywhere. We got this team covered for you. Thanks in large part to Vince. <laughs> I'm here for the bells and the whistles. Okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start in Major League Soccer, and okay. we're gonna talk about Portland coming up. And it's no secret that. You know, uh, Tom Penn, and when we talked to him, he said, look, we went to Portland to see how they do things with the, the culture, the fan culture. They do a great job with the Timbers Army. It's part of that city. It's part of that team. So they really pushed it a lot with uh, the TIFOs. And in, I think it's 2017, the Legends Never Sleep with Freddy Krueger coming out, which was kind of like Freddie Mercury. We go from Freddy Krueger to Freddie Mercury. That was pretty on song. And Portland, well done. I'll see you. I'll be up there for that game, so we'll see everyone up there. This is going to be a huge game, and we'll, again, we'll have our preview coming up. So Major League Soccer has been pretty good with some of the TIFOs, and I think what we saw on Friday night was obviously globally trying to raise it, but internally within the league, everyone trying to one-up each other. Yeah, and it's no secret that you know there there is some friendly rivalry between our supporters and their supporters. I know that the, the rivalry on the pitch is one thing, um, but you know, we went up there. That the first match uh, was an away match when we played Portland. We went up there, and I, I believe everyone had a good time. And they had a lot of Portland people saying, "Hey, you guys are louder than than Seattle, our, our direct rival." So yeah. there's a there's a it's a love hate relationship, I would say. But yeah, they, look, they are not the ones to originate the pulley system, but they are one of the few in MLS that have it. And that's one of the things that our supporters said: we've got to have that. And we yeah, see we why when you see Freddie Mercury oh, get get pulled up, and it's just 
the most beautiful thing. And we're both big Queen fans, so it's yeah, hard and, and for really, us to... The work, they rehearsed that. I don't know what we need to talk about. They had to, that was painstaking. And I th- there's a lot of content out there from the 3252 and Jimmy Lopez all that, about the process. You could see it. It is unbelievable amount of work. Yeah, I don't think they'd be upset with us talking about it because the, that's an important part. Like, don't think that these things... like this. Yeah, don't think that these things that you see, if you're a just a fan and you're just kind of checking it out, that's fine. But don't think that these things you see just happen on their own. You have to be a part of it. Um, that's why it's they're, they're big on selling 3252 memberships. All of that money goes back into creating TIFOs and into their charity endeavors and the things that they do. It's, it's not a for-profit thing. So don't think that this happens on its own. You've got to be a part of it. Yeah. So yeah, they, they rehearsed it. Uh, they made sure it was perfect. And I, I was... I knew it was going to happen, but it just, anytime you have something that big moving around and you've got just all this stuff going on, you got the cards behind, you got the drum beat, you're always like, yeah, it, that's the music is part of it. Yeah. It's, you're, you're bated breath, but they, yeah. they nailed it. And that's, again, it's because they practice it. They put a lot in. These guys live and breathe this guys, gals, guys, yeah, gals, everyone across the board, it's their, live and it's breathe it. So their day, daily routine. Yeah. I got, so I, got? I, I have an MLS one. It's good. not quite. Honestly, I don't think it's impre- as impressive because it's it's just a, a strict TIFO kind of bannerish style. It's not very 4D. Um, but KC, uh, before an MLS Cup game, had a Super Mario Brothers with Koopa final boss one. I think just for pure creativity level. Yeah. I think it's when you, when you flesh out those ideas and there must be a bounty about what are we going to do on here? And that probably is one of those moments, Eureka, where I go, this is cool. Yeah. This is different. No one's, we're, no one's touching this kind of storytelling that we're going to do. Yeah, I love, I love when teams touch kind of a pop culture chord. And yeah. it, to me, that just it struck the right chord. And just it's funny. I mean, I, I like funny. Freddie, I'm going to say this. Freddie Krueger one scared me. I don't like that. I don't know. Don't sleep then. Legends never sleep. Not, You're I'm a ledge. You now, thank you. You're a ledge. All right, that was good. I'm gonna go to. I think we both agreed on this. I'm gonna go with the Borussia Dortmund. They have exceed. They always push the envelope, and that's also a club that we mirror our our culture off a little bit. And they have visited us here. So hello, Dortmund. We're partners with you. Come back anytime. There was many. There was one time I saw where uh, everyone in the stadium wore black or gold. I think raincoats or jackets. So they're all part of a TIFO, a stadium-wide TIFO. But there's so many great ones. But the one with the binoculars where the guy comes up, you've seen it. It was I remember seeing it unfurled when it happened and your jaw just dropped. And when your jaw dropped, the TIFO of the guy, with his jaw dropped while he's holding the binoculars, it was, it was completely animated. And immediately you think about the work going in there. But again, just trying to do something where you, you figure the, the fans going, I ain't going to top this. This is this is putting the stamp down. Yeah, I mean they lay down a marker and then they realize they're now gonna what? have to read. Yeah, they're like where do you where it do you read from that? It was unbelievable. It was framed, and I'm sure many of you have seen it. But if you haven't, we'll post it a little bit later. Yeah, I mean framed by the Champions League trophy. It was just it was beautiful. I mean there's yeah there's it, there's so many different ways you can go. We've already said there's the pop culture. There's kind of the terrifying. I mean your your supporters are supposed to create a culture where the visiting team does not want to be there. So there's kind of the scary aspect. That one kind of teetered on both, I feel like, because yeah. like the guy, there's not anything particularly menacing about him, but then yeah. the more you start to look at it, and then when you realize there's 25,000 fans behind it, yeah, yeah. that's a little I scary. I think being there and hearing the sound of that must have been uh, mind-blowing too, but we weren't there that day. Uh, I'm going to do uh, Italian ones because that's my jam. Yeah, that's, that's my jam. jam. 
Uh, special Great mention. final weekend in the Serie A, by the way. Atalanta going to the Champions League, Inter going to the Champions League, Milan and Nosogo. And, and now they've lost their manager, yeah, Gennaro Gattuso, who is a character, a character in his own. Uh, I, but uh, now that you bring that up, special mention to anytime Inter and Milan have a derby, they seem to have fantastic choreography, TIFOs. Uh, I've, I've pulled up one that Max is looking at. It's uh, Inter, if you don't know, has a affiliation with Serpents. <laughs> um, they do some cool snake tifos. Um, this is just I like a very, snakes in tifos. This is not a very in real life. yeah. This is a very simple one. If it's a cobra, uh, they do ones. I've seen moving ones. Uh, there's been great tifos uh, that Milan does. They're they're known as kind of the devils. They do devil based ones. Uh, there's a cool one. I believe I want to say that the one that I showed you where it's t- an, an interplayer winning a header over a Milan player. I believe it's the Bracy brothers who are on oh. either side of the rivalry, wow. and I think that that's what that tifo is saying that we've got the better brother. <laughs> um, so that's something cool to check out. But I, the one I really want to key in on is uh, Lazio did one where the entire South End came, the together, Sud. came together to do the, the eagle, the Lazio, the Roman wow, I'm eagle. I'm looking at it now. It's uh, And the colors. Unbelievable. And it is, it's something else. It's just the, the ability to have everyone be choreographed and get in their seats and have that And together. again, that's a massive stadium. Massive. That's what, 100,000? That's close. It's, it's huge. Close to 100,000. It's 100, an Olympic 000. stadium. Yeah, that curve must be 30,000 30, people. <laughs> putting, just putting that together. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it hits with the winged, uh, the wings of the bird and then the, the blue and white Lazio colors. Very nice. And you can see that. Vince, will, you will put like our top three up there so you can see. And then we can get you to get involved, see what you think. Yeah. My turn? Yes. There was a... In Poland, it gets pretty fiery with the fans, right? And we've seen that with pyrotechnics and then occasionally TIFOs as well. So back in 2016, Legia Warsaw, uh, Legia of Warsaw, uh, I guess you could say it like that way. They had one with underneath, they were playing Dortmund. It said, guess who's back? And then in the background, they had all the fans with pyrotechnics and flares and in the front, it said, guess who's back? And then Legia Warsaw with like someone, it almost looks like one of those guys unfurling like the World Cup picks, uh, you know, hey, Togo. Oh, yeah, from the pods. From the pods. Yeah. And then a masked fan on, above there with a very menacing look. Legia Warsaw. I don't think they did well in that Champions League. That's not really their, their, their jam, as you like to say. But I saw that. I'll put that up there. It was very cool, very menacing. And I think if you're a fan of the other team, you or or t- player of the other team, you kind of sit back and go, "Oh boy, yeah, it's on." Whenever I see those pyrotechnics, not to bring it back to the uh, to the Milan derby, but do you remember that picture of Materazzi just hanging? He's he's got his arm on the shoulder of uh, yeah. Rui Costa, um, and they're just kind of in awe of the amount of flares that, that are going is. off, and it's because <laughs> the game had to be stopped. Uh, but they, it's kind of cool that they just kind of took a moment to just kind of be like, "Man, this is." we're just taking this all in like this is unreal this is the passion that these fans have like i know that it's it it's something where you know they had to stop the match so it's it's somewhat unsafe but they also took in that aspect of just like this is what this means to these to these people yeah it's that's that is one of those moments where you, i think as a player you go wow i'm doing the right thing look look at what i've helped create yeah pretty cool yeah all right uh, I got one more after this. You got one more. I've got another. Yeah, you got one and I, I got another fun one. It's from uh, it's Red Bull, the Red Bull uh, City Derby. I like this one. I... It's it's just it's just funny. They put together the City Retirement Home. It has Pirlo. It has Lampard. Yeah, it's a smaller tifo and the smaller Red Bull. Smaller tifo. The Red Bull Arena. We we don't expect it. We don't think it's like obviously LFC or Timbers or Sporting. 
I think it's refreshing that they, they did come up with one that was very well thought out. Yeah, it's cute. I mean, look, it's it's funny. Some of the again, there's a lot of different lanes you can go in. So that's why these are so cool when yeah. you see something so unique, so original. There's no reason why anyone should be doing something that somebody's already done because there's so many different lanes you can go down. Yeah. All right. So you're gonna explain it? I mean, there's nothing to explain. It's pure. It's, it's Pirlo and Lampard, Pirlo and Lampard with, with some canes holding their back, and both those guys back. now uh, it, they turned out to be well past their prime. I, lo- I love Andrea Pirlo, but yeah. fair. <laughs> I, I was warning everyone, no, don't bring him in here because he. I, I could see it in his eyes. This is a swan song. I'm gonna live in New York, and yeah, that's not. Lampard not much better. Made a lot of money. Lampard now doing very well in the management game at Derby County, but couldn't get the team promoted in the playoff game. No shame in that. That's a great season showing he's good as a manager as well. Last one is a little bit more symbolic. It was Euro 2016, so the big competitions, you really can't bring in a TIFO. I mean, this is uh, either UEFA or FIFA or CONCACAF. Again, when tickets small, are handed out. Yeah, tickets handed out, we got it. So Albania made Euro 2016, one of the great stories, really, with everything that country's gone through. And they were playing Switzerland in the opener, and you uh, uh, will recall there are some Albanian Kosovo players on the Swiss national team. Correct. So... I think they would have done it either way, whoever the opponent was. It just happened to be Switzerland. So there was those connections there with those Swiss players. And they, they unfurled the Albanian flag on the higher upper deck there. And it was just great to see. They would lose that game and they wouldn't advance. But to see Albania get that moment and go above and beyond to show that. And look, you get a chance to tell the Albanian story. Sports is a great form to be able to do it. Um, it was it was wonderful to see, and when you see that, for me anyway, you start thinking. I go, what's the significance? And then you do you go on a, a Google search and you find out about the place, and you're like, okay, this I get it now, and you can see why passions are are so high. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that people sometimes it's it's probably the hardest thing for me to explain to people is the fact that it's obviously it's a game of winning and losing, and that is for the players especially the most important aspect. It can, it can, their careers can raise, they they want accolades, but it's also a cultural event. It always is. And for teams to know going in, yeah, we probably don't have much of a chance in this, but we're going all out in the stands because it's our moment. Like you said, this is our moment to show what this means to us, that we're here for our team, win or lose. We will be here next time. We'll be here the time after. Anytime we make this stage, we will be behind you. Um, it's something that I can't, I can't always articulate to people, but when you see it, you just kind of, you're just kind of in awe. And that's what I tell people when they, they're like, well, what's this all about? I go, it's, this is a whole event to them. It means more yes. to them than just the scoreline. And I, I think that that's probably one of the reasons why when people come to our matches, Love they it. go yeah. like, where were these people before? Well, you didn't create something that they felt a part of before. Yeah, and now they well do. Said. And now they're able to put their, they're able to articulate what they feel into these moments, into these TIFOs to them. It is more than winning or losing. So I think that if, if you want to kind of get an idea of what that means, if why my good friend, Max Bredos follows West Ham and knows every season, yeah. They're, they're going to finish 10th? They're, yeah, they're going to finish 10th. They're probably not going to win. It's not. It's more than that. It goes beyond that. There's yeah. something that he feels beyond that. And same, um, well, I'm a Juventus fan. so yeah. we, I'm going to we wear win, my West Ham we, jacket next we week every on year, this podcast. We win every year, but you should. Yeah. But I understand. I can understand if I, look, I was drawn to Juventus out of a player. It just so happens I lucked out. I knew nothing about them when I was drawn into them. I got yeah. lucky. But if you're drawn into a team for a player and they're not good, doesn't mean you can't love that team any less. You love the moments. You know, you really love the moments. I, I can't stress that enough. Right. You got one more? Or you? No, I can't. I got I to gotta end on that. We'll That's post on note. that. that was, I, I, I just want to ask you because I think I did four. You did three. So I want to ask you. But that was a wonderful place to lay out. When we get back, we're going to have a quick little preview of the Portland game, June the 1st, Saturday, on the road. Big rivals clashing. This is Inside LAFC. Inside LAFC.
Inside LAFC, it's Max and Vince. We are getting ready for the final game for this first stretch for Major League Soccer before a, a rare international break. Some MLS teams will be playing some games through that break. Uh, LAFC will shut it down, MLS at least, to June 28th. So this is a big game, and this is a huge game for the Portland Timbers because if you were not aware, they've been on the road the whole time, and that is very challenging. Even LAFC... In last season, when they awaited for Bank of California Stadium, did not have to wait this long. I mean, we're here into June, and they had refurbishments, so everyone's excited to see Providence Park. They'll have a new turf. I know you're excited about that. And this is going to be a fan base that has been frothing to see their team back. So it's going to be a real show. You'd be crazy not to see it, and that's going to come here with LAFC paying a visit. LAFC beat Portland in their first game. Portland a little different. With all these road games, they're getting some results along the way. They had a really nice win at Philadelphia, but it's going to be a cathartic moment, I think, from being at home and just staying at home for a week or two. And what do they have? They have a stretch. They have two home games, three, three. Then they go to Montreal, so it's not a big run of home games, but I'm sure they're, they're going to make up for that. There's no doubt about it. They have a new player in Brian Fernandez, who when they took him from League MX was the second leading scorer in that league. So that's a big money big uh, ambition signing. And I was also joking, it's like uh, LAFC doesn't have any Argentines, but uh, Portland has, I think, three that all are pretty significant, obviously, with Diego Valeri, who also scored. So, exciting game. I think, I would say, I wouldn't put too much pressure on LAFC. If they don't win in Portland in that game with everything that's going on, there's no shame in that. But if they do, if they can get a win there, I mean, that's, I think, where the rest of the league just goes, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. That's a big ask. I think I, I would imagine Portland's going to come up really big in that game, but would you bet against LAFC? Yeah, if you were able to get 37 points before the midway mark of the season, wow. Like, just wow. But do you think do you think Gio Savarese has learned his lesson yet? Because two consecutive years he's done this. He's gone, I really want a team that can come out and play. We can be open. We can do things. He got smacked around two years in a row, basically big losing streaks, and then said, okay, back it up. I got a, yeah, team, yeah, I got a yeah. team that basically plays well on the counter, and now that they're back playing well on the counter, they look really good. And yes, add Brian Fernandez, who can fly yeah. and is absolutely a, great positioning. I mean, yeah. he's a really he's a real beautiful uh, forward. I think he fits the mold of a. He's not a uh, play. He's not a possession player. He fits the mold of basically what they're going to want to do and what they're going to stick to. I just think it's funny that two years in a row he's decided to try something different and got settled back on the same thing. Where basically they're going to put everyone behind the ball, but Valeri Fernandez and maybe one other player. And they're going to say, okay, break us down with Diego Chara in the middle, just in front of our defense, with tight lines in front of that defense. <laughs> and then we are going to spray the ball out to Valeri, and then let's see how you do 3v3, 3v4, even 2v2 against these guys. And they're burning people. I mean, Philly learned a, a, a tough lesson uh, at home to that team. So I agree with you. This is, this is a very different matchup than what we saw. Portland was basically in that mode where they thought they were going to try to play when we saw them come to Bank California Stadium. It's going to be even back. at a home game. It's going to be very reserved. Oh, it's going to be you back would... to clawing for everything, and they're going to try to fly out there with those with guys like Blanco, guys like Valeri, and then Fernandez. So LFC is going to have to. The funny thing is, LFC set up well for this game as well, though. You would think they they know they got to break teams down. Uh, they're not going to like the turf, but they're going to deal with it, um, and they're going to know that they're going to have to keep their shape, and they're going to have to keep an eye on guys and, and say, look, Walker, Eddie. Uh, whoever else is back at that moment, whether it's Jordan, if Beta comes back, or if it's Tristan Blackman, there's going to be times when you're going to have to go 1v1 and you're going to have to be brave and you're going to have to make tackles high up the pitch because if you sag back and you let those guys play in front of you, they're going to kill you. 
Good news for uh, Portland. By the way, that game's on ESPN 2, 7.30 Pacific time. Uh, we know we have some listeners else. We, we welcome people all over the world if you'd like to listen. We're here for you. But I can't give you all the time. 7.30 Pacific time. Uh, LAFC, we wondered how they would do in that stretch. Four games in 13 days. They were exceptional. Three wins and a tie. And now you get that chance to recharge and get into a, a proper uh, practice schedule uh, Memorial Day weekend happy Memorial Day weekend belated to everyone thank you for all those who served thank you very much and Monday obviously it's 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 a bit of a staggered day but LFC is going to get back in there uh, generally if bill of health we have to check on beta but mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be feeling really good heading to this I imagine they're going to be so pumped getting up for this game as yeah. much as they left to play for home this is going to be pretty pretty special minus the turf from what I've heard yeah minus the turf but from what I've heard what they've done in that stadium is basically enclose it more it's going to be that much louder and I think the guys, as much as that can intimidate other teams, it does also can get you up for it just a little bit more. I know there's quite a few LFC supporters that are going to be up there. We'll be, I know we'll be able to hear them, even though there's going to be that many more Portland supporters at the new kind of refurbished stadium. Uh, yeah, they're going to get up for it. And like you said, they're going to know that they don't have a, a league match for almost a month. So you might, you might as well give it all you got and then figure out what, you know, where the pieces fall after that. And if you can get into that break, I can't stress this enough, 37 points. Could you imagine? 37 points at this moment in the season. It's, you'd be running away with almost it. Almost not getting caught. You can almost like pick your spots. Not that LFC would ever do that. But this is, I mean, you could certainly um, manage the games and who plays if you're, you're worried about minutes. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. And you probably have Carlos Vela here ready to rock and roll at any time. It's, good. it's very interesting. I think... That said, you the way they're playing, you want to keep the momentum going. You want yep. to do it. I think in a perfect world, you maybe get a game or two in there. But look, enjoy that and see what you could do with a, a fresh second half of the season, which is the way it should be. We should be taking a break. All that the league should be taking a break. Yeah, for this. Yeah, that should be fair. I mean, the, it's weird that the scheduling doesn't break for everyone. I think that would be that would be my biggest gripe about MLS scheduling. If you're going to do breaks, everyone should get to get breaks at the same time so that everyone is at a level playing field going into yeah. things. Portland does have a game till June 22nd, so they have a, a significant break, not as much as LAFC. All right. Uh, we're not going to predict it, but just enjoy the game. Enjoy the game. Crazy. I don't know what to predict. It's going to be insane, I'll say one don't last bet thing, against cause, LAFC. Because you brought up Carlos Vela. He told us that last season that curler that he scored in Portland was his favorite. That's good to know. So maybe he's going to want to one-up that. And remember what happened. Por- uh, LAFC put Portland to the sword week two of the season, so it's all beautifully set. It's a big game for them. It's a big game all the time for LAFC. Thank you for your support here on our little podcast. Subscribe, tell a friend, and uh, we're going to make this again uh, – we're going to make this a team. We're a team here. You're part of the team.